When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offer the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to Amazon.com slash apply. That's Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. Here's your post-match reaction here on the Blue Room for Everton 1, Southampton 1, a drab game at Goodison Park. Um, not many positives to take from it, really. Um, push for European football now, surely over for Everton. Um, we'll talk about where that leaves and maybe a little bit later on. Uh, Rob Vera and Shai Magna join me for that. Um, I'll come to you first, Shai. Um, at least Everton didn't Thanks. lose, I suppose. Is that the only yeah. thing, only positive <laughs> we could take from that? Um, I'm sure there's not, that's not the only positive, but it doesn't feel like this. that was a game of positives, really, does it? It was... Um, First half, in particular, was 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 woeful. To be honest, one of the worst I've seen for a, for for a while. To be honest, and um, I think it improved a little bit in the second half, or maybe it was just that Southampton took the foot off the pedal. I don't know what it was. We never really seemed to to to, to get flowing or get going. It was just um, it just felt like a, a like a you know a, a mid um, you know a preseason game. Just no yeah. impetus to it, and just no point. Hmm. Weird one, really, rather thing because at half time, Everton were probably unlucky not to be well, lucky rather not to be 5 0 down or 4 0 down <laughs> based on the chances. Yeah. But they go in 1 1, and then all of a sudden you, you sat there in the last 20 minutes thinking, come on, you do something to win the game here. And it's just a weird, it's sort of indicative of where we are with football at the moment, how weird this restart's been. I'm sort of sat here thinking, I don't really know what to think about that. But if you, if you look at it in terms of the performance on a whole, it was really poor, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, you you started off the broadcast by saying it was a pretty drab game. It's been a pretty drab week of Everton football, if we're being <laughs> honest. And I sort of feel like the we, we talk a lot about the ebb and flow of a game and, and and what's a good performance and what's not and what's pleasing on the eye and what's not. And, and obviously a lot of that has to do with just 
being able to have any kind of flow or continuity. Um, but ultimately, to your point, there's there's an opportunity there. Um, regardless of whether we deserved it or not, we were level um, at halftime. And you've got you, your I hate to even say at home. I mean, these are empty stadiums, so whatever. But, you know, you're in a normal situation. You're, you're home and you're level. Uh, you've played poorly. Um, the manager makes a change at halftime uh, to bring on uh, Sidibe. Um, and, you know, you saw – you saw Gomez come off, and I thought Davis played. Davis played a little better, mm-hmm. um, but it's. I mean, we're we're squinting to find anything good out of the mid the central midfield situation in a game like that. I mean, it's it, it is what it is. The, you know, I, I think the effort is is there in in you know from guys like Tom Davis, uh, but when you look at that first half especially, uh, you're right. We are lucky to not be down more, but just as importantly. Um, when you don't, ha- when you have a midfield that is just allowing, uh, essentially, a, <laughs> a, if I can say it, a guard of honor right through their through their <laughs> ranks, uh, you know, to, to Southampton, and um, we're, we compromise any ability for us to then get on the front foot as well. I mean, the midfield is damning us both ways, uh, both from an attacking standpoint as well as, as compromising things defensively. Yeah. Um, you could argue, by the way, that. Um, this is it's probably a testament to the back four uh, and their effort, which at times I know we, there were a few scrambles in the box here and there. But overall, given how I'd almost say with zero support from midfield defensively, they were able to, to play all right. But, yeah, ultimately, this has been a bad week. Uh, I think that the limitations of the squad just become more and more apparent um, with every minute uh, that we see. And I don't think that anything fundamentally changes until something fundamentally changes. So you were sort of tilting your head there a little bit. I mean, disagree with something Rob said there? It's just about the defense, really. I thought I thought they were they were appalling. Um, I've I've I've, I've been a cri- <laughs> been a critic of them for for a while. To be honest, I can't pick one of them. You know, I was the three centre defenders that we've got that I, that I, that I think are good enough, really. And and even Mason Holgate. Yeah, no, no. I mean, you're talking about like okay, if you like, you talk about the future of Everton Football Club and where you want us where where you want us to be and achieve and, and stuff like that. Out of the, the top six or the or you know the teams that are pushing, um you know at the top end of the table, which which team does Mason Holgate go, get into? Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think maybe he gets in a couple. I'd say in my opinion, but I think I think I think overall, I think it's fair to say tonight. That, you know, while Everton looked relatively solid in the first few games, maybe apart from that, even the Spurs. Spur, Spurs would have Spurs would absolutely have Mason Holgate starting for them while they've been trying to start Eric Dyer in yeah. center half, and you know, yeah. I, whatever. Yeah. I'm. But it's it's. it's one of the, <laughs> I mean, Holgate didn't play tonight. So it's it's yeah. it's Keane and Mina, and, and, I mean, and those two just aren't. They're not good enough. It's fascinating. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, it's weird that we're a few minutes into this particular post-match and that we've somehow focused on the defense. (laughs) If you watched that game and you thought the defense was really the issue, um, you can say that the defense as a whole, as a team, uh, was was poor, I I guess. But you, 
but but ultimately I think that is far more uh, because of the midfield than it was the particular central defenders at this point. Like the central defenders are the lat are kind of low on the total pull of, of who I'm blaming for this particular result today. It's just an odd it's an odd hill to die on. Yeah, well that, that's my fault. I wanted a bit of friction between you and Shai, so I thought I thought I I don't think there was any sort of position that was worse than the other. I mean, I, th- I think midfield was, there was no support from midfield there. I'm not dying on any hill today. That was not, not for them. Yeah, fair, <laughs> fair enough in that regard. I think, I think what I would say was Everton looked defensively sound for long periods in all the games they played so far, even Tottenham to a degree, despite being poor. Tonight they didn't. They were moved, you know, the, the, Southampton got on to where Everton were really weak in that team and they exploited it ruthlessly in that first half. You know, they played quite narrow in midfield. They pushed high up and they said, every time the ball goes into Andre Gomez or every time it goes into Tom Davis, we are going to press you like mad. And we know you're going you're to cough it up to us every now and then. And that, that's yeah. all they did. And they got it back. They moved it pretty quickly. And it was, it, you know... It was neat and tidy football. It was just it was just the sort of thing. It was like a bit of a passion drill for them. Do you know, do you know when you see players doing the rondo drill where you have two people in mid two people in the middle chasing the ball around, the players just pop it, pop it, pop it. It was just like that. It was like Southampton were doing a bit of a rondo with, with, with Andre Gomez and Tom Davis. And in that first half an hour, oh my god, it was just it was it, it was tough. I think, I think by now, side, it's one of them where I think when, when Angelotti came in and, and Duncan came in and we played this four four two. Um, it was it worked well because it was probably a bit different. Teams weren't expecting us to play it. The strikers were, were causing defenders problems. But I think now you look at it, and it feels that everyone's just got onto this a little bit now, where they realise that there's a massive hole in that midfield. And if you're strong in there, and you're energetic in there, and you've got players who can carry the ball in there, you can use the ball well, then you're probably going to get on top of this Everton side. And that's what we've seen in the last two games. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've got no real competitive uh, midfielders in there, no... Um, for want of a better phrase, like dogs of war, that you know, someone who's willing to put a foot in and, and, and get stuck in. Um, I, I think, um, I'm not sure if it was in our, you know, when we were chatting the other day, Matt, or, or um, whether I put it on Twitter or something like that. But if Gomez is supposed to be, you know, this, you know, our, our, our Arteta in, in 2020, he's not got that Lee Harsley around him, that's, you know, someone that can allow him to be free. Um, and to express himself in a football way, he's it's very flat. He's um, he's restricted from going, you know, from side to side. Not real, really any, um, you know, defense splitting balls going forward. Um, and as much as I want to like Tom Davis, unfortunately, he's not good enough. I'm not sure what kind of midfielder he is. Uh, he's certainly not a defensive one, and he's certainly not an attacking one. So. I don't. I don't know where he fits. I don't know. I. I, I can't. I can't see where he fits into a into a, a team like ours. Hmm. You, you um, must be a bit worried about Gomez, though, side, because you know it's it's clear to see, isn't it, that the the, the drop off in his work on the ball and off the ball since he's come back has been has been staggering. I mean, I I, I think Carlo Ancelotti would have been justified bringing him off after half an hour today because he was that bad. I can't. I can't understand how he's how he's playing. To be honest with you, I, th- I think it's a credit to to, to how how he's recovered. The fact that he's just ready to to, to play it, even you know after um, the, the the lockdown and the, and the break that we've had in between, it, like he still shouldn't be ready to play in my in my head for a, another six months. When you consider it's not just like the bones that are mending, it's it, it's the whole, it's everything that's around it. And the fact that he's out there playing Premier League football, uh, all right, not to a you know a particularly high standard at the moment, but the fact that he's out there putting these performances in, I think it's it, it's it's amazing, but. 
Um, we we shouldn't really. That's the the situation that we're in. We shouldn't really be be relying on a. a, a if if Andre Gomez, at, at whatever percentage fit he is, sixty seventy percent, is our non first choice ahead of the likes of Sigurdsson, that's a big a big worry for us. Yeah, so I think Sai hits on something really important there. I, look, this is one of those things where multiple things can be true at the same time. Uh, the first being that Gomesh was bad. Uh, in I think you could argue that not only was he bad, he was worse than he was against Spurs, and he was really bad against Spurs. So, but also true, I think, to kind of to to kind of jump on what Sai is saying there too is at a at a club that function has functioned and or performed more adequately in regards to its recruitment in that position, Andre Gomes is not playing w- right now, or he is not playing the heavy load of minutes that he is playing right now, um, given, given everything he's been through in terms of his injury. That's not an excuse. That's just a reality. I don't know. He doesn't look fit. I, so, you know, the question becomes, if, he, if you, you can look at him and say he's bad, but I think the more important question is why. Is he just a bad player? Is he exhausted? Is he not fully recovered from his injury? I think that those are some relatively open questions. But the bottom line is, is that uh, he was really, really poor today. Um, and the pairing with him and Davis just doesn't seem to work. Um, makes sense, doesn't it? Though, though, I, though I don't know that there's any pairing with – if you're asking the question, what is <laughs> – the the eternal question if you will of what does tom davis do what is he uh then you know there's not really probably a great pairing with him um with gomesh i don't know if it's a situation where he's just crying out to be in a 4-3-3 as opposed to whatever this is i i i think the bottom line is is that everything that we already knew going into this game this week let's be honest this part of the season in general uh is is only being confirmed over and over again in more painful fashion about about the the midfield and and having a ball winner a dog of war whatever you want to call it like Idrissa Gay when when we had Idrissa Gay um it's I think it's important to note that while we could certainly use a player like that right now it's not like the midfield was fantastic even when he was here too because we had the problem on the other side with his partner I think it's I think it's finding a combination that works it's finding a balance and it's finding guys that that can do a little bit of both. I think the idea behind, you know, the the links to guys like uh, Hoiberg is the idea that you can have someone who can do can both win a ball and still be a functioning passing midfielder. But it, it was really embarrassing today to see a, a group of of players from Southampton of all of all clubs really just waltz their way around and dominate midfield the way they did. The fact that this is a a one one draw, I, I think will will sink in even more as being quite surprising given given the the video evidence we saw on display today. Yeah, 100%, mate. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the penalties. I want to talk about that in a more general conversation rant about the referee a little bit later on. It was absolutely abysmal once again today and continues to be abysmal whenever he referees ever uh, a football match. Um, but from a positive point of view, um, the goal was unbelievable on its side, really. You know, so at odds with everything else in the performance. You know, it's just quality from Luca Dini with the passes, quality from Charles from his first touch, and quality with his finishing. Richarlison today, granted, somebody who you know, he didn't have his best game in terms of being on the ball all the time and driving the plays, et cetera, et cetera. But he's always willing, always trying. And, and whenever they've got someone like him, he's capable of digging your results out when you play terribly like we did today. 
Yeah, it's probably as as good the goal as um we'll see all season just for the you know the 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 setup and the technique and you know the takedown and and the finish as well. Um, totally against the run of play. It was out of nowhere, really. I, I think I had my head in my phone, to be honest. Uh, when, <laughs> until I heard, you know, Richarlison. <laughs> so it was, um, it was, yeah, it was, it was a really good goal, and and and, um, and, and that's that's you know what he's capable of, and, and we've got a diamond in in in, in Richarlison. He's not, you know, the finished article by any stretch, and you know, again, he's another another player that probably needs. Um, Encouraging kind of players around them to support them and allow them to be, you know, um, as expressive in football in this football match as he can be. Um, but you know, he's out of all that 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 team. I think he's probably the only one that I'd, that I'd keep. Um, you know, for if 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 we had had the choice of upgrading them all, I think he's he's the only one that I'd probably you know push the the, the other the other the other uh, players in the positions and in. Um, teams higher up in the league. Yeah. Um, he's he's quality and he's you know he's he's borderline you know world class for us. And um, it's just a shame that we 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 seem to be getting these players after other world class players leave. You know, like I wonder what he'd be like if he were playing upside up alongside Lukaku and the likes of that. It'd be you know quite interesting. But um, yeah, it was a fantastic goal. I, I, the only thing I can say about Richarlison is maybe I want to see more from him in in that respect. Yeah, maybe he needs to 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 start converting a lot more. But I suppose when he's um when he's got the the kind of midfield that he's got behind him, it's 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 difficult. They're all you know one one jigsaw puzzle, and they're all pieces. And if the other pieces aren't don't fit properly, then you know the the jigsaw does, just doesn't work. Yeah, it's it's I think I think Sarge right there, Robert's testament to Richardson and his ability and his work ethic and his mentality that he's getting as much out of himself this season in terms of goals, assists, you know, his performances. Given what's what's around him, really, and you know, you sort of look at him and look at all the good things he's doing, and you still think that if there were better pieces around him, this is a lot that would go up another level again. Yeah, and let's not forget um, that that Richarlison seems to be in a in a somewhat similar, not not they're not the same player, but in terms of the the way you look at them and you recognize their score, you know, what, what they're doing in terms of production. Uh, he and Calvert-Lewin are the guys that seem to be willing themselves to score goals despite how little support they get from the rest of, of, of the team, uh, you know, obviously specifically the midfield. But um, I think it's also important to note that Richarlison is – uh, and I know we'll get into refereeing, but uh, one of the consistent themes of the season is he is taking an absolute brutal punishment out there every single t- time he goes out. He is one of the toughest, uh, you know, regardless of whether you think he, quote, goes down too easy, which I, I've always thought is an odd critique because uh, the ability for you to draw fouls is one of those elite skills uh, that that is important to have. And you can argue that, well, he's got to find a balance and stay up sometimes, but we all see it out there. He's absolutely taking a hammering and a hacking uh, every single game. I can only imagine what his legs look like after a game like that. But um, Richarlison, and, and, and I don't want to lose sight of this, it's a, it's a fantastic finish, but I also want to take a moment and acknowledge what an absolute world-class pass that was from Luca Dean. That is, that is the <laughs> – there is no player that has kind of mystified me more this season in terms of the way that the narrative has been for him be, on some level because 
Um, granted, this season feels like it's been three years long, um, but uh, we've gone from talking uh, at length uh, about how Luca Dean's made less of an impact this season or not been quite the same or whatever. He's got a seventh assist tonight, and he is someone who just, he, he, you know, whatever you want to say, uh, he, he does produce, and um, he is, I, I think, I think that sometimes I know numbers can flatter to deceive, but that pass was, was that, that reminded me if, if you're, you know, I use these analogies all the time. If you're an NFL fan, it looked like a 60 yard bomb uh, that just landed right in the breadbasket of Richarlison. And of course, uh, that's the kind of uh, finisher that Richarlison is. Uh, you, you know, I, I will give credit to Tom Davis. We talked about this before we started, that he had that one pass, and I'm not trying to totally damn him with St. Praise here, but it's the best pass I've seen Tom Davis probably have from an attacking sense in a year. Uh, but he had a fantastic pass that landed right uh, on the doorstep for Calvert-Lewin, who just – He's not quite that – he's not obviously not the same skill level and, and that kind of player that Richarlison is who could probably hit it first time. And I don't want to be too hard on Calvert-Lewin because I think he's absolutely exhausted. His effort is always 100% maximum. But, um, you know, you, you just feel like those are those, those, are those yeah. scenarios that point to the fact that this is a game of inches. And so if one of those two chances is converted, uh, the lesson that you take from that is that if you had more of those chances created, <laughs> then you're going to have more production. And that seems like a very captain obvious sort of thing to say, but it also speaks to the fact that I can think very clearly of the two best chances in the game. And it's hard to think of, of many of the others uh, outside of the, the penalties, which I know we'll talk about. Yeah. They, well, they're the, the both having effectively one chance each, every match we play at the moment, aren't they? And, I suppose when you when you get and that it's you know it ramps up the pressure on you to score. So fair play to Richardson for doing that today. And um, second half aside from that little flurry and you know the penalty appeal. I'm sorry, the red card appeal. Going to going to speak about shortly. And um, not much happened. Carl Angelotti, in fairness, though, side made made subs at half time that at least stem the the flow of relentless Southampton pressure and, and gave Everton a bit of a foothold in the game, but didn't do much in terms of giving us a. A regular outlet going forward either. So we sort of one of them. We sort of, you know, you make a bit of a step forward, but not enough. Yeah. Um, again, it's, it's another sort of, well, it's not even a fleeting appearance from Moyes Ken, but, you know, he, he came on, he had 20 minutes under his belt, and I, I can't really remember anything that he did. Um, it's a, a bit harsh on the lad, I suppose, um, because he, he is still, I guess, trying to find his foot, footing in uh, English football. Uh, still a young lad, uh, his football developing, but. Um, you know, when you get these opportunities, you need to really be taking them. And, um, I want to see him be desperate to do things on a football pitch. I, I just don't ever get that from him. Like, the, the, there was a moment when he came on, you know, and him and Richardson both went for a tackle and, like, they, they bundled around the Southampton player, won it. And it goes out wide and Richardson's hairing after the ball, chasing it down, and Keane's just sort of stood there. And yeah. listen, I'm not writing the lad off by any means, but if you want to get in the team ahead of Richardson and Dominic Carver Lewin, you've got to show. A lot more when you when you come on, and I just don't. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't get the sense that he's desperate. Or you know, maybe he is, but I think we need to see it more. The manager needs to see it as well. So uh, obviously, you you need to catch someone's eye, don't you? You need to like get people to sit up and go and and start banging on the door if the manager doesn't want to play, and then the fans, you know, sort of asking for, the, and the manager reacts to you know the 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 support to pressure. But I if if he doesn't want to run. I remember like 10 years ago when, um, when Yakubu played for us and, and, pe and people were you know, uh, slamming Yakubu because he wasn't, 
he came he came on just on, on the backs of Andy Johnson and Andy Johnson who who I loved as a player as well. He used to love run, running dead balls down, you know, when they were playing across the back four from left back to right back, he'd he'd he'd, he'd run all day for them. But Yakubu never did. There's a lot of people that called him lazy for that, but Yakubu made up for it in the twelve six and twelve yard box, you know, he score full of goals. If if Keane doesn't want to, you know, run for dead balls like the way Richarlison did, like um you ex- explained before. He he's got to bring something else to the table. He's got to if he wants to play, if he wants to get into that first eleven, if he wants to score goals, he needs to put himself in those positions. And you're just unfortunately not seeing it at the moment. And I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it, he's obviously got the, the the skill and the ability because you know you don't get into the full Italian team um, more than once. You know, just or, Juventus, yeah. or Juventus. So he's he's obviously got something there, and I, I, I don't know what it is. I hope I think we all hope that. Ancelotti coming in uh, would bring that out of him, and, and maybe maybe he needs a proper um, a proper maybe he needs as well as the club needs a proper sort of preseason where you know we 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 take it all back to basics and 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 start building around him and and Calvert Lewin as a as a pair of front with Richarlison support and stuff like that. I don't know, but it, but he needs to do something soon for us to you know hmm. take him seriously really as a as a credible. Um, credible substitute coming on in, in those times when we need someone to bail us out or start them, you know, one of the starting 11. Yeah, and, and listen, Rob, you know, it's, it, I don't want to single him out because he's by no means the big problem here. And in that regard, we just sort of stumbled upon talking about him. And listen, we, we've spoken there about Dominic Cavalier and Richardson and how much they do because of him and how hard it is to play as a centre forward for Everton. I appreciate that. But I mean, you surely must be. Do you share those feelings? You just want to see. I just want to see more somebody on a football pitch that's desperate to keep his place and desperate to, to, to catch the eye. Side so because it just doesn't feel like he's there at the moment and in that sort of mindset. Uh, yeah, I, I'm. I'm probably just not as worried about it at this point, mainly because of how maybe I feel at this stage of this kind of this season that's dying a slow, painful death for us at this point, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I do. Uh, I also, th- I, I also sometimes know that we can overinterpret body language or you know certain things here and there. I mean, what I remember about Keen was actually when he first came on today. Um, he showed that that yeah, he dribbled through like three guys and got you know got around a dude, and then he, you know he lost the ball inevitably. But he's got to you know as I said, I mean, he's got skill. Uh, I think that trying him he's still probably in a lot of ways trying to figure out exactly how to best apply it what that looks like um I I just you know I think at the end of the day you're you're right that I would like to be seeing more out of Keen I'd like to be seeing more out of the whole team we've only got two guys that ever score any goals so I think that there are a lot of players like that it's it's hard to it's hard to score goals in this league. It's doubly hard when you're 19 years old, and it's probably triply hard when you have so little around you to to help, you know, give you the confidence that you're going to have opportunities. I think that right now we we want uh, Moise Keane to be more like Calvert Lewin and Richarlison, who are having to give every ounce of blood and sweat just to get a chance. A, a goal and they'll only get one a game or two a game and they've got to take it when they have a chance. And, and he's just not quite that player uh, yet at this point, but you're right there. He need there needs to be more out of him. I think that the difference probably between me and a lot of supporters is just that I completely agree that, that 
I'd like to see more out of Moise Keen, but I also frankly, uh, I also frankly just am not so worried about it mainly because of, of the very, very, very early stages of his career uh, that we're, we're currently in. Um, we have a, a real tendency as a, a fan base to, as we've talked about before, to have, you know, one game over overly influence uh, our opinion on a player um, or, uh, you know, conversely, we also have the ability to, um, you know, decide after, uh, you know, a certain number of minutes in a, in the first season of a player's career that he's got nothing. And, and I just, I'm not quite to the, he's got nothing yet uh, stage of things. Um, and, and have all of that aside, Matt, uh, you're right. I'm frustrated, but I will tell you that this shows you the scale of the task for Carlo Ancelotti and for Everton as a football club. Um, you guys will hear me say it in almost every one of these, these podcasts, but uh, the way that Everton are getting out of this mess cannot come from the transfer window alone we cannot continue to think that that is going to solve all our problems because it won't some of these are about developing and nurturing the existing resources that we have at the club and regardless of how you feel about him Moise Keane is a talented raw footballer um, who is a resource to be developed Um, now if we're having the same conversation in two years then I think we've obviously got, uh, you know, we've got a huge problem here, but I'm just not quite ready to panic yet, even while acknowledging that, that we definitely could use more from him. Yeah, 100%. I'm not writing him off either. I just think it's, he's, he, you know, there's been times he's come on in the last, you know, against Norwich and today in particular, the thought, you know, this is a chance for a player like him with his attributes to, to affect the game in a positive way. And he's just not been able to do it in, on, on either occasion. But um, finish off by talking about the referee. Oh my God. It's. It, <laughs> So, I mean, Sai, I mean, I, I went back through when, when we were seeing it, a classically amazing performance of giving that penalty, which Ward Prowse missed, which was never a penalty. Then not giving the one on Anthony Gordon, which is probably more of a penalty than the one he actually gave. Um, uh, there was a moment in the second half where Ryan Bertrand fell over and the foul was given. There were numerous decisions that were given, which was ridiculous. And to cap it all off, the decision not to send off Jan Bednarek for bringing Richardson down when he's running through on goal and about to have a shot with his left foot, is unbelievable. I can't quite get my head around that one. But, I mean, how long is this fella going to continually stink the gaff out as a referee before he gets the boot? Because I went back through my tweets earlier. I'm a bit, I've been saying this since, you know, people have been saying this since 2016. The amount of Evertonian disorders tonight retweet tweets from their time. I'm saying, I can't believe we've got this fella. He's been, I mean, Rob's put his hand up here. He did exactly the same thing. He is absolutely awful. I'm not, I'm not saying he was the reason for Everton's poor performance tonight or anything whatsoever. But every now and then, you've just got to say, what on earth is that fella playing at? Because he is, he is just so, so incompetent as a match official. I, I don't disagree with anything that you just said, to be honest with you. But I just think it's incredible that there's actually people there that think he does a good job. Um, you know, the people that... that Employing to be a Premier League referee, I don't know what 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 games these people what did they they don't watch football they watch the referees I think um, it's it, it's weird that it, it, I don't know he's he's awful I actually think that the the worst decision was the red card that was that you know Richarlison threw on goal that that was that was the worst I think both of the both the, the challenges in the boxes were penalties I think that Southampton's penalty was a penalty and I think the challenge on Gordon was was definitely a penalty as well I think that was worse out of the both of them. Yeah, but without a doubt that you know, how can he's the he's the last man? He you know he's it it, it is a goal scoring opportunity. Okay, Richarlison's going on a bit of a diagonal run, but you know he's it's not 
He's in now his left foot, isn't he? He's yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. He's he he is going to shoot her. You know, the the next opportunity he gets, there's no doubt about it. So I can't I can't understand how that wasn't a red card, and um, you know, it, it went to VAR, and the people in VA um, in VAR decided that you know he made the, the correct call, which is up, up, as utterly baffling as the, the call itself. Rob, um, you 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 know, when when was your Lee Mason tweet from? What year? 2016. Okay, so before you... 2016. Yeah, look, um, Sai said something that I thought was interesting, which is the notion that I, I don't know who at the FA continues to look at him and thinking he's doing a good job. And it took me aback because I was thinking, do any of us think that these match officials are evaluated in any sort of meaningful way? Um, I, I, I don't ever get the impression that they are in any way, you know, disciplined for decisions or reprimanded or otherwise, uh, you know, otherwise um, in any way held accountable at all in any sort of meaningful way. Look, I, I don't know how many team sports that most of you watch. I, gosh, I mean, I'm probably a pretty consistent watcher of, of I would say, three leagues, uh, the Premier League, uh, the NBA, and the NFL. Um, not that the, those leagues have perfect officiating because officiating is hard. I, I don't want to say that it's not, but I think it's very telling that so many of us know the names of the match officials in the premier league more than we oftentimes do of the opposition players half the time. I mean, um, the fact that we all, the fact that the name of the rep match official is, is, is shared a few days before every game and then the inevitable reactions come in, you know, the, the fact that we are still in a place, I mean, Lee Mason is the symptom. Um, I mean, he's, he is, uh, he is absolutely that guy that benefits from finding a niche job that um, essentially rewards him for staying alive. He is alive and he breathes and therefore he keeps his job. That is an indictment of the entire system. And the idea that VAR, uh, I think the thing that I, I certainly bought into uh, naively was that VAR was going to be the cure um, Sorry, uh, that VAR was somehow going to be the corrective measure to these to a poor system of officiating. Uh, but the bottom line is, is that when an entire system is rotten, when an entire system has zero accountability, uh, not only on a week to week basis, but on a season to season basis, hell, a decade to decade basis, it feels like at times, uh, then the technology applied by members of a corrupt and poor, poorly uh, run system is not going to save us. Um, and so as much as I dislike Lee Mason and I roll my eyes every time I know he's going to officiate one of our, our matches, um, my, my biggest problem is the fact that the FA seems to have very, very little interest uh, in actually improving the standard level of officiating in our league. Um, and yet um, they are, you know, they, they very much want to find ways to continue to reinforce the already deep, 
deep-seated advantages that the top six clubs already have. And we talked, I mean, there was a great discussion, Matt, that you guys had this morning about the five-sub rule becoming a permanent thing, which I remember you said it, and I thought, no, surely they wouldn't do that. But Matt always knows. Uh, it's true. It, it, it's one of those things where the entire system is set up to maintain a particular culture and a particular establishment. And and if if you're if you can if you can continue to have poor officiating and get the results that you want as a league, then you're not going to change the officiating. You're not going to change the system, and you're not going to bring accountability. It's going to take some huge sea change in order for this to change. But um, I, I I have the same complaint every time, and it's with the system and not with the individual match official, poor as he may be. Yeah, he's so abject tonight, but you know. Everton were probably just as bad overall, you've got to say. Um, it's Wolves on Sunday next. Uh, we'll have a post-match reaction from that as well. Uh, things don't get any easier for Everton in that one. Obviously, it's going to be a tough game. Hey, well, Matt, can I th- one, one more thing in because we didn't really talk about it much. It's only, only really about the penalty. Anthony Gordon was great once again, and uh, he should be starting every game. I'm just going to keep saying it, and I'm glad he started this week, but he should have started this game. He should have started against Spurs, uh, but he was the only one out there actually creating things. And, and even when those things don't come off, every minute that he plays is valuable. It gives him a chance to learn. He's going to get better. Um, I'm really excited to see him. That's all I wanted to say about him. There's just that one little bit in the second half where he's passed Luca Dean was a little bit short and we, we could have been yeah yeah that was yeah. the only real mistake he made but you know like yeah. you'll learn from that hopefully he's got to keep playing got to keep learning he's crossed he does on sunday uh cheers to rob cheers to side that's been your instant match reaction for everton one southampton one we'll speak to you again very soon here on the blue room ready to get your glitter on then head to worlds of fun grand carnival from july 23rd through august 7th for a larger than life shimmering celebration join the spectacle of color a dazzling parade of floats performers music and beads that sweeps across the park and take your taste buds on a world tour while dancing to music after dark save over 45 percent with a carnival bundle which includes admission parking and three food tastings only at worldsoffun.com Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.